0: Welcome to episode 71 of Real Life Ghost Stories.
1: How you do.
0: To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Adriana Palacios.
1: Michaela Plant.
0: Heather MacDonald. Karina G. Jordan McCann.
1: Chase Wilman,
0: Jess Linton.
1: Ivana Pisicelli.
0: Oh, they're not bad. I'll give you that. Okay, thanks. Ivana messages if that's wrong and we're sorry, as always. Rachel.
1: Um, oh, Helen Ponsonby.
0: <laughs> Sophie Westcombe. Brooklyn. Jenea Sincerbox Laura Allen. Julia S- 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 Saleh.
1: Jessica Messina.
0: Kristen McCravey. It's I- Ashling.
1: Ashleen Murray.
0: <laughs> Sherry Lynn.
1: Daria Luke. Thank you very
0: much. Or Darla?
1: Oh, it's Darla. <laughs> I was Darla. It really looked like Daria. Oh, on my that's screen. the worst
0: one we've done in a really long time. Sorry, people. <laughs> We're really sorry. I
1: can never pronounce Ashley. Now I always look at it and it just looks like.
0: Did you know that Ashling means dream in Irish?
1: That's a good name. Just so good you know. Good name.
0: How are you doing this week?
1: I'm all right. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. quite excited about our episode this week, even though it's going to freak the shit out of me.
1: We have seen each other this week, by the way, people.
0: Yeah, we have. I just decided to do some of <laughs> podcast conversations. <laughs> Our film review this week is Event Horizon. Event Horizon was released in 1997. It is 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb and 27% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Rotten Tomatoes is a joke.
0: That is a massive disparity.
1: Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is a joke.
0: Would you like a synopsis? Yes. A rescue crew investigates a spaceship that disappeared into a black hole and has now returned with someone or something new on board. Dun, 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 What are your thoughts on this film?
1: Um, I thought, it was very, I thought it was quite good, actually. Quite enjoyed it. Kept my attention. Made me jump a couple of times, even though most normal people wouldn't have jumped.
0: <laughs> the general consensus from the listeners when I posted this on Instagram and Facebook was that everyone loves this film. It is a good film. It is this, a good film. This film re- review is dedicated to the Poisoner's Cabinet, by the way, because Nick has been telling me to review this film for such a long time and i was like i will i will i will and then when we were watching it i was like oh i've seen this film <laughs> i know this film
1: i have not seen it that is the first time i've seen
0: yeah, it yeah that's i can't believe that's the first time you've seen it i've yeah. definitely seen it
1: yeah it was good i liked it it was uh sci-fi it didn't look too dated some of the special effects did but not i all mean of it. yeah
0: you have to i think you have to go into this appreciating that it's 1997. And that the CGI because they're they're in space, you know. I feel around. like the
1: inside of the ship was actually pretty decent. It was only the stuff that was floating at the beginning that was really like, oh, that watch is not a watch.
0: Yeah, that watch looks like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the floating stuff, like some of the CGI, is not very good. But the actual, if like the special effects that they did were, yeah, were were pretty impressive. And the prosthetics and the makeup and all that, it was it was really good and quite convincing. But I think it's a really. I I think it's really impossible to talk about this film without giving spoilers.
1: I also didn't really understand it.
0: If you have not seen this film and you're going to go watch it, I would skip forward about five minutes. Okay. So that you don't ruin this film for yourself, and then come back and listen to it afterwards. So the 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 idea is is that the Event Horizon was this revolutionary spaceship that could uh, go through that could essentially create a black hole and go through time and dimensions. And Sam Neill plays the doctor, um, scientist guy who built the spaceship. And he describes that kind of travel travel very well. He I does. Say, using a picture of a, of a semi-naked woman. Yeah. yeah, loved it. I was like, go on, Sam Neill. I get it. Where are the velociraptors? Yes. That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fear. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Um, and they the ship goes missing. So a rescue crew, uh, the ship then comes back in to like signal so a rescue crew goes to find the ship and they find it and they go on board and all the crew are dead but something horrific has happened and there's this awful found footage of like the last minutes that the crew that the crew lived and they're like just murdering each other and there's a guy with his eyeballs in his hands and it's just awful like really quite tragic reminds me of that the russian sleep experiment story do you know that story where they just deprive them of sleep and they all just go insane and kill each other and then they all start kind of losing their minds a little bit and they very quickly realise very early on that something is wrong with the ship. The ship is alive. Well, your
1: man from the Dog, Dog Watch or Dog Soldiers or whatever it's called, mixed up, mixed up two films there, your man from Dog Soldiers, knew straight away.
0: Yeah, so the guy...
1: He never wanted to get on it in the first place.
0: There's a guy in the film who is a lead role in the best film ever made, which is Dog Soldiers. I will fight anyone to death who tries to tell me that that is not the best film ever made because it is. We will review it someday when Dan allows me. And what do you mean it's, when I allow you, it's stunning. He does not feel the same way about this film. It's one of the best films ever made, and I adore it. And he is also in this film. And it's yeah. So the crew are basically trying to survive on this ship that is trying to kill them
1: I still don't understand though I still don't understand why this ship is trying to kill them I missed something key last night
0: I think the ship is trying to drag them to hell essentially
1: oh well, so it went oh yeah that... oh yeah I remember Sam Neil saying that actually
0: yeah so it's kind of like they're being shown their greatest fears or things that have really impacted them or things they're really so guilty talking about
1: talking it, it in space
0: yeah kind of like it in that's it there's no more to say it's it in space. And instead of a clown, you've got a big spaceship. Yeah. Dan solves film reviews. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Sam was like like a Razorhead clone at one point as well.
0: Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's a really like... They're showing all their fears. They're trying to survive on this ship. They're trying not to die. It's a bit gory at times. It can be a little bit gruesome, but not overly so, I have to say. And
1: Lawrence Fishburne's character is, is solid. Yeah, is As is the guy that plays Keeper, whose name I can't remember. Yes. Also a solid yeah. character.
0: Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good film. Was I as enamoured by it as everybody else? No, I don't think I was. Don't break Nick's heart. I'm sorry, Nicolicious. Please don't hate me. I, I don't think it's 27%. Like, I, Do you know
1: what, though? I don't
0: think it's a bad film at all. I did enjoy it.
1: 2029, let's have a modern remake. The premise of the film is a genius idea. I think, I
0: think the premise of the film is amazing because it's they all sort of feel like... So the ship has like done, done its job where it's created a black hole and gone somewhere and come back, but they can't figure out where it's gone. It seems to me, and I could be completely wrong, but it seems to me like they're implying that the ship has gone to hell or somewhere like the equivalent of it went to some like horrific universe and you see flashes of that universe where people are being tortured and it's all terrible but it's trying to escape that that's what the crew are trying to do but it's not one of those films where you only find out at the end there's a big reveal like they know from from very early on they're like okay we're seeing things this isn't good we need to get off this ship this ship is trying to kill us so i quite like that that there was no (laughs) There was, there was no, like, mystery going through. It was just, okay, this is bad news. We yeah. need to leave. Yeah. And you know what? I enjoyed it. And
1: it could be remade really well.
0: Yeah, it could be. I and mean, I think... Um, we probably,
1: will probably disagree. But um, I think it's got... The potential. Promise.
0: promise. I think Sam Neil is brilliant in it. He is very good. Oh, he does a really good bad guy.
1: And English accent as well.
0: Yeah. We were like, is he English or American? He's not. He's Northern Irish and New Zealand.
1: No. Right, okay. So I'm just... A tiny little segue. I promise it won't last long. Sam Neill is from Northern Ireland, right? Sam Neill plays a Northern Irish detective in a series of Peaky Blinders and his Northern Irish accent is atrocious. Is it? Yes.
0: Well, I think he might be Northern Irish born and raised in New Zealand. Okay. So being born somewhere doesn't necessarily give you the ability to have imagine, a great accent.
1: Imagine an English person doing a Hammed up version of Eamon Holmes. And that is Sam Neill's... I don't know who Eamon Holmes is. The TV presenter.
0: Okay, gotcha. That's a really niche reference. Okay. Because people are not going to know who that is. But and he doesn't do a good Northern English Irish accent. English people
1: will know that. What okay. I mean by that. But it's not a very good Northern Irish accent. I oh, I think.
0: must I must have a look and see. Because I haven't I've haven't watched Peaky Blinders, so I don't know. So, yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting concept for a film. About you kind of showing you your worst fears. Um, it's It's like a it's just, it's a sci-fi.
1: It's it in space.
0: But it is it in space. I'm really impressed with that. Like, you've done well. Thanks. We can end this episode now.
1: What um, what score are you going to give it?
0: I'm going to give it a four.
1: Ooh, me too.
0: I think it aged really well. Yeah, I
1: think it did as well.
0: Like, there are obviously, like we said, bits of CGI that are dodgy, but that was 90s But, CGI, I, think
1: like... li- but I think there's some late 90s films that have aged well, in terms of, C- in yeah. terms of it's just about how you use the CGI, I think, because the special effects are, are up to standard by that point it's the CGI that's
0: not. But they use the CGI very minimally in this film. And you, like, you know, speaking of Sam Neill, like, the the original Jurassic Park is still stunning. And that was made in
1: 1994. Yeah, and they're animatronic dinosaurs as well. Ah, They're not even, it's not even CGI. It's
0: incredible. So I think it has aged well and it's definitely an entertaining film to watch. Like, I would recommend it. It's not, it's not a true horror but it's also not true sci-fi. It's a really interesting mix of both and the concept is brilliant. in space. So, Rotten Tomatoes,
1: i've been saying this for a long time rotten tomatoes is i don't know i feel like we need to call rotten tomatoes from the...
0: i always avoid reading reviews of the films that we review yeah. until after we've reviewed them because i don't Fair want yeah, i don't sense. want my idea of what we watch to be um to be skewed but i i feel like i need to go back and read rotten tomatoes reviews on this to see why people hate it so much i guess it's a bit like it's a bit hammy i guess like it's not I don't 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 know, I just don't feel like it's fair to say it's 27%, definitely a 4 out of 5 for me. There we go, me too. So. It's not dolls. It's not dolls. I decided that because I've given you so many doll stories, that I'd freak myself out for a change. Okay. Do you know anything about Betty and Barney Hill?
1: Are they, no, that's Hank Hill.
0: Yeah, very different. Okay, no. So this story may not be new to you when I start telling you, but it is the most famous alien abduction story in the world. Okay. And I don't know if I really want to read it or talk about it. And the story today comes from History.com. Ooh. Yes, it does. It is... Yeah, it's a really interesting story and I'm kind of stalling a little bit because I don't really want to get into this because it's a little bit traumatising. But are you ready? Oh, is it? Do you know how I feel? A little bit traumatising.
1: This is how I felt for the last 15 million episodes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Hills road trip was spontaneous. A well-earned break, Barney decided the couple needed. He worked a gruelling night shift at the post office, driving 60 miles each way. Betty's job handling state child welfare cases was no easier. The little free time this biracial couple had was devoted to their church and activities related to the civil rights movement. After 16 months of marriage, Betty and Barney saw this trip through Montreal and Niagara Falls as a delayed honeymoon. They left so impulsively that they had no time to go to the bank before it closed for the weekend. They got in their car with less than $70 in their pockets. On the night of their three-day trip, the tired couple sipped coffee in a Vermont diner to recharge before driving back. Barney figured if they pushed through, they could beat the wind and rains from an approaching hurricane. They left the diner at around 10pm, estimating they could reach their red-framed house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire between 2am and 3am at the latest. As they drove, strange lights in the sky gave another reason to hurry. At first, it looked like a falling star, but grew larger and brighter with each mile. Barney, an avid plane watcher and World War II vet, was sure they had nothing to worry about. It's just a satellite, he assured Betty. It probably just went off course. The light, though, seemed to move with the car as Barney steered down the curving mountain road. The light zigged and zagged ducking past the moon and behind trees and mountain ridges, only to reappear moments later. Sometimes it seemed to move towards them in a game of cat and mouse. It had to be an illusion, they thought. Maybe the car's movement made it seem like the light too was moving. Curiosity overcame them. The couple pulled over at road stops and picnic turnouts to get a closer look. Through binoculars, Betty saw the white light was really an object spinning in the air. Barney, she told her husband, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous. He knew she was right. Barney had an IQ of 140, and he was also a pragmatic man who wouldn't give flying saucers a second thought. The night was too quiet for a helicopter, a commercial plane or even a military jet with a hotshot pilot. He didn't want to spook Betty, but he was becoming concerned. What was this light, and why was it toying with them? About 70 miles past the diner, the object hovered just above the treetops, approximately 100 feet above them. Barney abruptly stopped the car, keeping the engine running. He shoved a handgun he'd hidden beneath the seat into his pocket, and rushed into a dark field, leaving Betty in the car. What he saw was as big as a jet, but as round and flat as a pancake. My God, what is this thing, he recalled thinking. This can't be real. Behind rows of windows, grey uniformed beings seemed to look right at him, Barney recalled. He tried to lift his hands to his pistol, but he somehow couldn't. A voice told him not to put down his binoculars. He had a startling thought. We're about to be captured. Yelling hysterically, he ran back to the car and barreled down the road as Betty tracked the craft, craning her head outside the car window. Without explanation, loud, rhythmic beeps sounded from inside the car's trunk. The couple felt instantly drowsy and lost consciousness. They came to around two hours later and 35 miles down the road. Back home in Portsmouth, they tried to make sense of the night. Barney felt compelled to examine his body's lower half, and both seemed to be aware of a puzzling presence. In the weeks and months after, Betty, an avid reader, checked out books from the library, discovered the civilian UFO group National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. She also reported the sighting to the Air Force, worried about radiation. In coming years, with Betty suffering from disturbing dreams and Barney developing an ulcer and anxiety, the couple sought mental help. The two met with Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist and neurologist who specialised in hypnosis, which was a mainstream technique at the time. Through months of weekly sessions, Simon helped the couple piece together what they think had happened. A vessel had landed on the hill's car, putting them to sleep. Afterwards, grey beings walked them up a long ramp and onto a spacecraft. Once inside, the hills were separated, taking turns in an examination room that had curved walls and a large light hanging from the ceiling. Each was asked to climb up on a metal table. The table was so short that Barney's legs hung over the side. During the examinations, the beings removed Betty and Barney's clothes, plucked strands of their hair, took clippings of their nails and scraped their skin. Each sample was placed on a clear material, not unlike a glass slide. Needles connected to long wires probed their heads, arms, legs and spines. One large needle, around 4-6 to inches long, was inserted into Betty's belly. This pregnancy test left her twisting in pain. Throughout a being Barney and Betty called the leader, watched from the side. After Betty's examination ended, the beings rushed back into her room excited. They discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed. Betty laughed, explaining that Barney had dentures, a fact of human ageing, and the beings struggled to understand. Later, alone with the leader, Betty asked where the craft had flown, admitting she knew little of the universe. The being joked with her, saying, If you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. Later, under hypnosis, she drew a star map shown to her on the ship. In 1965, the Hill story was picked up by a Boston newspaper. After that, everything changed. The quiet couple's story became the subject of a best selling book and a movie starring James Earl Jones. The upstanding civil servants had become celebrity abductees. The Hills weren't the first to spot a UFO or even to report an abduction. But their story did capture the nation's imagination and was so widely publicised it has helped shape how we talk about alien encounters and abductions to this day. Before the Hills story, alien encounters were friendly. According to Christopher Bader, a professor of sociology at California Chapman University. But once the Hills story became better known, abduction accounts shared certain characteristics such as medical examinations and missing time. Aliens with large heads and big eyes, dubbed greys in UFO circles, became classic sci-fi staples in personal accounts and pop culture, close encounters of the third kind and shows like the X-Files. The Hill story, and those that came after, helped pave the way for a new understanding of human experience. Richard J. McNally, a Harvard psychologist, puts it this way. The alien abduction phenomenon, in my opinion, shows how sincere, non-psychotic individuals can develop beliefs about, and false memories of, incredible experiences that never happened. Experts of all stripes have tried to explain why intelligent, otherwise mentally stable people came forward with these experiences. Many psychologists say sleep paralysis and hallucinations played a role. Leading questions during hypnosis, the main way most abductees unlock their stories, could also have been a factor. Those who report alien abduction might also see the world a little differently. According to research, one of the strongest predictors of false recall is a vivid imagination. This group scores high in magical ideation and is more likely to believe in ghosts and tarot readings, according to McNally. Some believe the Hill story was simply a myth in the making, with the supernatural meetings, vulnerable protagonists and otherworldly journeys that are often hallmarks of legend. Many point to the stress of being an interracial couple living in a predominantly white state in a turbulent era. The year of their hypnosis, 1964, was marked by Cold War tensions and civil rights unrest, with numerous urban riots erupting that summer. You have a biracial couple at a time where obviously it was not easy to be a biracial couple, says Bader. Look at what those aliens were, a mixture of black and white, and I find that very meaningful. Abductee stories depend on first-hand accounts, the most vulnerable form of evidence. Memories can be distorted by stress or distraction, or even manufactured. When a false memory is in place, psychologists say, the brain works to fill in the details. Psychologist Michael Shermer points to patternicity, the tendency to see patterns even when none exist helping us to see faces in clouds or assume that one event caused another. Past experience also shapes human perception. Barney, a World War II vet, thought the head grey looked a lot like Hitler and seemed menacing, whereas Betty, meanwhile, who had been excited to see the aliens, bantered with the affable grey who performed her medical examination. That alien even agreed to give her a book to bring back to Earth with her, she said though other crew members would later overrule that decision. In this way, alien abduction and encounter stories have helped psychologists understand the human brain, its defects, and the weaknesses inherent in memory and first-hand accounts, according to Christopher French, a psychologist specialising in human experience related to the paranormal. What we see and hear, especially under less-than-ideal observational conditions, can be heavily influenced by our prior beliefs and expectations, wrote French in The Guardian. NICAP's scientific advisor cross-examined the couple and found their account credible. The Air Force's Project Blue Book would ultimately dismiss the story, determining the unexplained craft could be explained by natural causes, hinting that the couple hadn't seen a spacecraft, but only the planet Jupiter. For this part... (laughs) I know, right? That's terrible... (laughs) <laughs> Plan Jupiter, as it is well known to float around and chase cars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For his part, psychiatrist Simon never felt the Hills had made up their story. He concluded that Betty had dreamed the adduction and Barney had absorbed her story, especially since many of the most vivid details matched descriptions of dreams Betty had jotted down after the event. I believe implicitly in the honesty of these people, he said on a 70s radio programme. Of course, another explanation is always possible. The abduction actually occurred. The Hills stuck by their story, despite years of sceptics and detractors. Like many abductees, the couple never felt false memory or sleep paralysis explained what they experienced. Betty became a known voice in UFO research and claimed she was visited multiple times in the decades to follow. So, are
1: the Hills alive? With the sound of music. No all they still alive.
0: Uh I don't actually know. Okay. I don't They could be, couldn't they? The they could I mean... be, technically, but I okay, don't so... think they are. Okay. What are your what thoughts? What is it
1: about that story that freaks you out the most?
0: I think what it is about this story is what if it did happen? It did happen. But right. What if they were abducted?
1: They were abducted. <laughs> Sorry, carry on.
0: If they were abducted they are being used, put on a platform as how the brain doesn't, like how the brain sometimes misfires. And that must be the most frustrating thing in the world.
1: You're not really scared of aliens, are you? You're scared of people not believing you?
0: I think I am scared of people not believing me. Like we watched Horse Girl during the week on Netflix and I would absolutely recommend that.
1: Uh, me too, by the that way. That
0: anybody watch it. It's not really, I was going to do it for a film review, but then it actually wasn't appropriate for a film review. I'm not going to tell you what happens in the film. You can, you know, make your own decisions about it. But it really freaked me out. It really freaked me out. The idea of being so, so set on your belief that something has happened, but nobody else believes you.
1: You don't feel that way about people that have demonic possessions or demonic in the house, demons in the house. What is the difference between that and aliens?
0: I don't know. E.T.? (laughs) fucked me up
1: (laughs) the ET is a Star Wars character to you that's fine
0: I don't know what it is it like because this is like a really obviously a really famous abduction story and I believe that the star system that Betty Hill drew was discovered after she drew it
1: because she was abducted
0: but genuinely like I think I think that did happen um I did this research last week, so I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but I'm nearly sure that the star system she drew turned out to be real and turned out to be discovered later, I bet which she's like, gives me the heebie-jeebies. She's like, you. fuck you bitches. <laughs> well, she's
1: not alive, so she might not have known about it. But... And
0: I do I do wonder if like, because they, they obviously experienced so much trauma, like so much trauma, where being an interracial couple at that time must have been horrific They must have faced so much adversity. Like being a World War II vet must have been horrific. Even like their jobs that they were doing, like working, she was working essentially as a social worker, like horrific, like not a terrible job. I don't mean like that, but a really traumatic job. But what if all of that trauma actually doesn't account for what happened to them?
1: It doesn't. (laughs)
0: You're not being very (laughs)
1: helpful. I know, um, I would, if a police, if I went through all that and a policeman said to me, "Uh, uh, you just saw Jupiter, I'd be like, try harder.
0: Project Blue Book do not do themselves any favours. Like, all you'd have to say was, even if you just said it was a fucking weather balloon, that's standard. it's better
1: than a flipping Jupiter. Jupiter.
0: I think Jupiter is not renowned for following you around. Oh, it's Jupiter, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh shit, it's Jupiter. Jupiter. Oh, I feel really silly now for causing all of this fuss about Jupiter.
1: Yeah. Such a poor explanation. I am fascinated by their story because I think it just goes to show that alien races are clearly more socially advanced than we are by a long shot. Why? Because if it was the flip side and it was humans discovering alien races, we wouldn't be picking them up, taking tissue samples and then putting them back we'd be killing them and then doing experiments on them
0: how why do you say that because
1: we would and that that just shows how socially how much more socially advanced the aliens are i think because they're realizing that you don't have to go to that violent length to get what you need whereas we would just be like i'll kill it that's what we do with animals okay do you see what i mean yeah and it's just like you know i think that gives it credence as well to be honest
0: I don't know. I think, the, I think the...
1: So you don't think there's anything any such thing as alien abductions or are you just convincing yourself that there's no such thing as alien inductions? I feel inductions.
0: like alien induction. So day one of your new job and this is the alien induction segment. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken about this on, on the podcast before but my friend Ed has a theory that if alien abductions were real they would be clever enough to abduct people on the fringes of society Absolutely. so that they so that they would be less credible and what is more on the fringes of society than a biracial couple at that time yeah you know and that that in and it also interestingly American Horror Story does a bit about Betty and Barney Hill randomly do they? What? yes I've only seen very little series 2 in the um Asylum series oh right okay randomly Betty and Barney Hill are at the beginning um where they and they, but it happens in their house, and st- people are like banging on the windows, and they think, oh, it's it's the local people who don't agree with them being married again. For fuck's sake, here we go, and then they end up getting abducted. I don't remember how that fits into the narrative of the series, but I just Or remember the narrative
1: that. of Bonnie and Betty's story. Either. Yeah, but it,
0: it's you know they try to kind of um in, incorporate them into the story, but it's just it really freaks me out to think that you go to it. You know, Especially going to a psychiatrist that you like you think I'm getting mental help for what for the anxiety that I'm feeling, you're accrediting this anxiety to this one particular event that you can't quite piece together and they say, yeah, it was, it was fucking aliens. Imagine. Imagine how earth shattering that would be. That mm. that to me would I think would be even worse than them saying you were just really stressed and you, you, you had a bit of a mental breakdown if they said, No, you didn't have a mental breakdown, it was aliens. Even, both things are I don't know how I'm struggling
1: <laughs> I wonder if there's anybody that's been abducted that's so chill with it that they've just got on with their lives
0: I don't know I was going to talk about there was a really famous alien abduction story called and it's known as the, um, the Linda case Right. And it was a woman in New York who was um abducted by aliens, but it was witnessed by a really large group of people. Like oh, I think I, was,
1: I came across that the other yeah, day. Yeah.
0: And it was I, I couldn't get enough solid information to do an episode about it, but from what I can remember, she was literally abducted out of her apartment window in New York, and it was witnessed by police officers mm, yeah. who were on the ground below and they saw this craft. Maybe ten, twenty stories up. Did we watch a BuzzFeed Unsolved? Oh, potentially it was a BuzzFeed Unsolved. Maybe, maybe it was. But I can remember being really young. Do you remember those like talk shows? Like you used to watch like Ricky Lake and stuff. Do you remember Go those? Ricky. <laughs> like and Jerry Springer and all those like, and they yeah. used to always be on Irish daytime TV. And I remember watching Ricky Lake. Might not have been Ricky Lake, but it was one of those shows did an alien abduction special, and the woman from the Linda case. Was...
1: Linda.
0: I don't think her name was Linda, though. (laughs) But but that woman, I think, was one of the guests. Because that story, like, gave me fucking PTSD flashbacks from watching that episode when I was a child. And being absolutely convinced that I was going to be abducted out of my bedroom by aliens. So, there's my trauma. That's all alien related.
1: Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. I wonder if aliens are going to stop abducting us soon why well cuz i think i feel like they're just monitoring us now just to make sure we don't get too dangerous
0: do you want to go into the kitchen there and get yourself a tin hat <laughs> no i'm just saying why that... are we too dangerous
1: no well because you know we're not we we're, we're not civilized <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> we're not a civilized species i don't think um and so you know they're wrong person with the wrong power maybe just making sure we don't cause any trouble for anybody else maybe
0: i don't know i feel like you're making really big political statements in this episode no i'm
1: not making political statement i'm saying in general humanity
0: in general Yeah. okay the world fair enough <laughs> this is why people hate when we do alien episodes there's like a small group of people who are like yes alien episodes so i try and do them every so often uh, but everybody else who loves ghosts they're just like oh i don't fucking care about you talking about aliens but i felt like it was payback because i feel really unsettled
1: and it's getting dark
0: yeah i oh i just don't like it i i think it is like i know we established that quite early on that it's you know my fear of being disbelieved
1: how about i just never believe you again and then
0: then it's prepping me yeah Oh, that's really yeah so every
1: time you tell me something in the future I'll just be like, you're yeah, all alright, bullshit.
0: That is really helpful. <laughs> yeah, fucking lies, Emma. Yeah. And i would be like But it really is it. And then eventually I'll become yeah. immune to being called a liar. Yeah. So when I do get abducted by aliens, I'll just be ready for it. Yeah. I'll be like, abduct me, bitches.
1: Yep, nobody's gonna believe me anyway, so it's all fine. Yeah, so it's
0: fine, I don't give a fuck. Do what yeah. you like. You maybe go. that's what happened See? to all those people who have been abducted and are really chill about it. They're yeah. just like, Well, no one's gonna believe me, so I'm just gonna get on with my life. But
1: maybe there's like that maybe those people that are chill about it, are just like, they're not doing any harm to me. They're just borrowing me for a few minutes.
0: I'd rather, if I, if I wasn't borrowed, or I feel like I'd be picked up like a grabber in a toy machine. <laughs> just plucked out, of the, plucked out of the air. And then... I mean, if it would be quite
1: cool to go to space if you knew that you'd be all right.
0: I'd rather not. I'd rather stay on Earth. I don't need to go to space. I don't really need to go to space either. And I have no
1: intention of going on like a a manned space flight. Not that anybody's invited me.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, have you got <laughs> Richard Branson texting you being like, we've got a space for you on our space flight.
1: They actually want me to be the announcer.
0: Oh, oh. <laughs> that would be a bad idea. We
1: need someone like that sounds like Moss from the IT crowd um, <laughs> to do our announcements. You need to let that go. <laughs> but no, I, I guess like, it, yeah, maybe they are just chill with it because nothing's happening to them. They're just going on a little trip around space, get to see some cool technology, some lights, meet some new people. Get dropped off home, no time has elapsed, boom. It'd
0: be handy to be able to do the whole no time has elapsed thing. I've got yeah. stuff to do. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to go to space, I want to fit it into my schedule. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't need to be a week-long trip.
1: Man, aliens fascinate me. This is why we can't do an alien episode, though. Because you, you love it. And it doesn't really, like, it doesn't creep me out in the slightest. I mean, I'm sure it would if I saw some, like, Independence Day, like, tentacles things see I'm, I'm, I'm kind face. of
0: okay this is where it gets quite complex like Independence Day I'm okay with
1: that's because of Will Smith
0: maybe it's because Will Smith punches the alien <laughs> yeah. and I feel like it's like you were saying you know with a physical thing you can take it on yeah. and I feel like a tentacled alien fuck it, I'll fight it I don't care but there's something about greys specifically that just get uh, just, uh, even talking it's about it, the jeebies
1: thing that we spoke about on the um, on the patreon episode the um what was it called
0: uncanny valley uncanny valley where it's kind of vaguely humanoid yeah so it freaks you out even more whereas a monster is a monster i can kick the shit out of a monster i feel confident in my abilities to fight reasonably fight a monster
1: see i feel like i'd lose to a monster but i i'd rather go out swinging i don't feel like i can do that against a demon i feel like i'd probably be kept alive and tormented Whereas yeah, if it's a monster, just, it's just going to end with me dying eventually. Is it still, like pretty quickly? I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, but well, at least you've at least, you at me least it a good I can give it a good yeah. go. And you never know; I might get lucky. I might, I might kick it in like you might the, get lucky. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I might like kick it in like the upper shoulder or hit it in the upper shoulder or something, and that might be its like weak point and everyone's die.
0: Why you are you drop kicking it? You're kicking it in the upper <laughs> no, shoulder. <laughs> I meant
1: hit, but I said kick. But like you know, it might hit the upper shoulder and that might be his weak point, and then I might actually advance
0: see I feel like that would be something that's a very you thing to happen that yeah. you're fighting an alien with no hope and you somehow find its, its <laughs> yes. tiny weakness yep. like you bop it in the ear and it just yeah. drops dead and yeah. you're like oh and then you'd pretend like you had a big gruelling battle when actually you just bopped it in the ear and then I'd
1: fall down a manhole and die
0: Yeah, that would be really <laughs> unfortunate but also very funny <laughs> yeah. very fitting Yeah. Um, do you want to know what I really think about alien abductions
1: yeah they're not true
0: no I don't think they're true how can you why because I think so aliens don't exist? I think that this is... I think the Betty and Barney Hill story... Right, so I don't think the Betty and Barney Hill story is true. I think they believe it's true. But I don't think it is what really what happened. And I and I do think, actually, it is a lot to do with trauma.
1: What if Betty and Barney Hill were abducted? Yeah. But it wasn't by aliens?
0: Who was it by then? The government. Oh, listen.
1: I'm just saying because they were in a lab people were doing things to him
0: you're going the right way to have a whole tinfoil suit <laughs> never mind just a hat
1: i'm just saying if you're saying if you're there convinced that it's true and it, you're saying it's not aliens i'm just providing an alternative
0: so um would you like some new reviews before we go down the rabbit hole any Can I just further just
1: one more theory that's not so tinpot. yeah what if it was like ptsd from going to the dentist Just saying. So they both went to the dentist. It was really traumatic. And they've just... The trauma was so strong from having their wisdom teeth taken out that they thought they'd been abducted by aliens.
0: I would like to point out to the listeners who can't see us right now that Dan looks incredibly manic. <laughs> you look... You've got that sort of Alex Jones-esque gay frogs I to Alex Jones. I just did. Oh, well. That's, that's okay, what your face looks like. <laughs> <laughs> the first review comes from Kate edgington thanks kate who says here's the thing oh (laughs) i'm not a review person i may have done three in all of my 36 years but i need to say that i'm really picky about the banter or filler content in the podcast podcast that i listen to but i actually love this as previously expressed on instagram i'm kind of obsessed with you but in a cool way thanks for making drives entertaining kate edgington edgington i'm obsessed with you too yeah, need to stop saying stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. It does not work. Oh. And the second review comes from Do not update the app. Well worth anyone's time. This is my new favorite podcast. Emma and Dan and Tiny Bims are excellent hosts with great chemistry. They are funny with ease because they are so relatable as as people and as a couple. If you're looking for paranormal podcasts where the hosts actively try and debunk the stories but still respect the people experience them, This is the one for you. And finally, just started listening from Cheyenne Rooker. Hi, I just started listening to the podcast. I'm so out of the loop because there are some really great podcasters and you guys are my absolute favorite. I literally listen to all of your episodes within two days. Since I work at a factory, I can listen to music or anything. Keep up the good work. Thank you gorgeous people for your Patreon. What are they called?
1: They're not, they're just reviews.
0: Reviews. Oh, f- I'm <laughs> like an autopilot. Thank you. I'd
1: like to uh, point out that, you know, all those big podcasts have producers and stuff. Yeah. Just in case people didn't realise, that's what Bims does on the podcast.
0: Yeah, she does, she does all the editing. Yeah. She picks out all the equipment. She does all the research. All that typing, That, ex- all the that stories. extra
1: claw really comes in handy.
0: Yeah, it does. That extra thumb. Yeah. When it comes to typing, that is really useful yeah. for her. It's true. Because otherwise it would probably take double the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you enjoyed this week's episode, uh, for those of you who do not enjoy alien abduction stories, I'm sorry.
1: Business as usual next week.
0: Business as usual next week. Back to some uh, ghost stories. And if you enjoyed it, come and find us on Instagram. We are on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. Dan is on Instagram
1: at Fifty P Movie Club.
0: We are on Twitter
1: at Real Ghost Pod.
0: We are on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give the page a like and join our super secret Facebook group, which is R-L-G-S Supergroup. And the password is...
1: Dan and Emma, Emma and Dan, or Emma and Dan and Tiny Bims.
0: That was gorgeous. Well done. Thanks. What a lovely little song. <laughs> you can send us your stories to podcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you want to support our podcast in and monetary fashion you can do so on patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for two dollars a month you get access to the complete back catalog of
1: 50p movie club which is what um it's a podcast that i used to do with will and i now do with dave keen where we uh watch well i get movies that are bad from the 50p section in cx and we watch them and we talk about them and sometimes we record them with no sound problems sometimes (laughs)
0: and for five dollars a month you get all of that plus an extra spooky episode per week
1: and ad-free episodes
0: and ad-free episodes too so if you're interested in that go and sign up to our patreon we also have merch the link to which is in the description box and has been for every single episode i just don't tell people because i forget the merch is made well we've got two sets of merch we've got our own one and there's another set of merch from a gorgeous artist called abby and all of the money goes to her so i'd really appreciate it if you wanted some merch to go and buy some the link is in the description to this episode and the link to our patreon is also in the the description for this episode and on that note
1: we'll see you next week bye Bye.